What's up, everyone? Welcome to the In One Accord podcast, where we explore the background, lyrics, and musical expression of the songs we sing and why we sing them. Our desire is to glorify God through songs that are biblically sound, worshiping together in harmony, and living in complete agreement with Christ. That is In One Accord. Hey, this is Tim, and we are going to be talking about Holy, Holy, Holy today, uh, one of the greatest hymns ever written that we still sing and enjoy today. It was written by a Reginald Heber. He was born in 1783. Uh, toward the end of his life, he was a missionary in India, uh, and he died a tragic death in 1826. He was a great poet and a strong believer, uh, and he wrote the words to this to this song. Um, his wife, shortly after his death, dug it, dug out the words, and she published them in 1826. Well, and I think it's interesting that the hymn was published after he died, that it wasn't in circulation. People weren't singing that. And the reason for that, the Church of England at that time actually didn't allow singing hymns in church. Right. That was something that uh, the Methodist church would do. That was something that the dissenters would do, like the edgy people in their mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they didn't allow hymns to be sung. So when uh, Reginald wrote this, they said, nope, you can't sing this in church. And so then after he died and his wife was able to publish them, eventually his hymns started making circulation. Um, But he only wrote the words. Uh, There's a guy, his name was John Dykes, who actually wrote the melody to this song. And John Dykes wrote it about 40 years after it was written, after the words were written. So John Dykes, phenomenal musician. They said that by the time he was 10, he was the church organist, wow. <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, and he was the co-founder and president of Cambridge University Musical Society. Just really talented guy. And from what I was seeing, he wrote the melody in 30 minutes. Like I cannot imagine just whipping out the melody wow. to Holy, Holy, Holy in 30 minutes. But he named the melody Nicaea, and he did that in honor of the Nicene Council uh, where they wrote the Nicene Creed, which basically that was a defense of the theology of the Trinity. There was heresy going around that Jesus was not divine. And so this council came together in AD 325 and they said, no, this is what we believe. This is what the Bible teaches about the triune God. And they articulated a lot of what we have as far as theology of the Trinity. So when John Dykes wrote his melody, he wanted to name it after that because so much of the song talks about God's holiness, who he is as triune God praising the Trinity. And we see that even in the way the music is constructed. When you start the song, holy, 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 each of those is a third. Mm -hmm. And so we wonder if that was, you know, in reference to the Trinity and praising the triune God. That would be great to ask him one day. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We also see that, you know, the music is very regal and majestic. It's not a syncopated rhythm where it's like, holy, holy. It's just very Mm. boom, boom, Mm. boom, which gives the idea of a throne room, the majesty, the grandeur of God. And all you can do is cry, oh, holy, holy, holy. Mm. Uh, the way that the harmonies are con- 
instructed. It's very inviting for a whole church to sing. It's not too hard for people to sing. Everyone can partake in that. There are different parts where it just, it's very full. It's, it's meant for corporate worship. And I think that's part of the reason that this song has lasted so long and had such widespread popularity is because people can sing it and it's easy to learn. And it really, the words and the melody are paired beautifully. And it's not dependent on instruments either. Right. It's a great song to sing uh, acapella just right. without anything. It's beautiful. So, and, it, and it is a Trinitarian hymn that was written for Trinity Sunday, uh, which is the first Sunday after Pentecost when we remember the ascension of Christ, uh, which was 50 days after Resurrection Sunday. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Heber really wanted this song to be sung after the sermon, sing this song, and then read the Nicene Creed. So he was thinking a lot about praising God, the Trinity. And so there was even that collaboration and reason that John Dykes wrote the melody and called it Nicaea. There's such an emphasis on praising the Trinity, the triune mm-hmm. God. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And to think that the that the melody and the words were written so far apart mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. amazing too. Right. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into the words. Uh, the way that Heber wrote this he starts the line with holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And we actually see this in two places in scripture. We see this in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4. So we thought it would be appropriate to read both of those passages so you can see the parallel in what's going on here as we look at the word. So this is Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And so this was written in the 8th century before Christ came. And now let's look at Revelation 4, which is a century after Christ's life. So about about 850 years later. Right, right. uh, This is what it says in Revelation chapter 4. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, it said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had an appearance of of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on, the 24, seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. 
And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first is like a creature, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature was the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them was with six wings and are full of, full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they, were ne- they never ceased to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast down their, their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, and to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will... They existed and were created. I think it's so amazing how you, you put those passages right next to each other. And really, it's it's the same scene, you know, mm. 850 years apart. Yeah. For 850 years, plus more on either side, there are always angels and the multitude just in front of the Lord mm. praising him. Holy, holy, holy. That, that song never stops. And so when we think about this song, it's not really a call to worship to start praising God, but it's a call to jump into this stream of praise that's been echoing for centuries. And we get to just jump in and take part in praising the Lord because he's deserving of praise at all times. And we just get to join in this chorus of holy, holy, holy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the first verse, right, of the song, holy, 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 it says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And really, that's just taken straight from Scripture. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, even right away you, you hear the the rhyming, right? And uh, all four lines in each of the stanzas, they all rhyme with the word holy. And it's a it's, it seems pretty easy to do, but it's not, and it's not as common as you would think either. Uh, so, Almighty, rise to Thee, uh, merciful and mighty, blessed Trinity, and this happens throughout the entire song, all four stanzas, which is pretty cool. And we've talked before about how how powerful and effective it is to start the day with a song of praise or with scripture. Um, and how that affects, it can affect our day from the very beginning. And this is a great song to just start singing right when you open your eyes in the morning. Right. And I think, you know, the fact that he says, our God is merciful and mighty, mm. right? You think about Isaiah and he's standing before the throne room of God and the, the, the ground, the thresholds are shaking as he speaks and he's powerful. He's almighty. Mm. And Isaiah's like, woe is me. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm in the midst of an unclean people and I'm standing before God and he is almighty and he's, he's distressed. And 
at the same time, God is merciful. Right. And the seraphim comes forward and touches Isaiah's mouth and says, behold, this is touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And to see both of those attributes of God on display, his mightiness and his mercy just leaves me in absolute wonder yeah. of who God is. <clears throat> yeah. And there it is. There's the gospel in the book of Isaiah. Right. The good news. So, yeah, it's great to, to read that. Uh, moving on to the second stanza of holy, holy, holy. He says that refrain and then says, all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. So we got some of that old English in there. <laughs> yeah. And the way we sing it now is we sing, holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, which follows that. Uh, and then right after that, instead of cherubim and seraphim, it says, all the kings and rulers falling down before thee, who was and is and evermore shall be. The exact same thing, just with some different wording, but it just shows the power of God and that every knee reminding us that every knee will bow. And I think there's an interesting distinction between the two. I wish that the song could have both because the cherubim and seraphim, that emphasis is on the angels in angelic hosts praising the Lord. They're always up there praising the Lord. But then all the kings and rulers, you know, that's more of a reference to Revelation where it talks about the 24 elders mm. who cast down their crowns. Right. So, you know, there's even a distinction and a difference there where it's not really an updated translation, but both are true, mm. you know, both are praising right. the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that stood out to me, uh, you know, you could reference Psalm 90, which uh, starting in verse two, it says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Jumping down to verse four, it says, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. And then Revelation 22, verse 13, it says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And we see God is eternal. And for as long as there have been created beings, the angels and the elders, and someday we'll get to join that chorus. At all times, there are people praising him saying, holy, holy, holy right. throughout right. all of our created existence. Mm, yes. Uh, the next verse, holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man, thy glory may not see. Uh, and it's just it's referring to the separation between God and man by sin. Uh, and though we may not see or completely understand the Trinity and its fullness and its greatness uh, in this lifetime, um, Heber reminds us that our uh, faith, uh, our faithlessness or our not being able to understand is no reason that we cannot worship God. Right. And we even see, you know, Revelation fifteen four. who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone are holy. Mm. Right. And we see in Romans three, we see in first John, just really throughout all of scripture and the gospel, we're sin, we're sinners, we're sinful. We can't be in the presence of holy God because he's completely unstained by sin. Sin can't be in his presence. Right. And so to understand that and that we can't see we can't be in God's presence right now, but then we have the gospel. Now we get to look forward to that. Hmm. Uh, that's an exciting thing that we can praise him for. Yeah, as yeah, well. true. 
So then moving on, yeah, to uh, the fourth stanza, it says this, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. And the rest of the the verse really uh, mirrors verse one. It's very similar in the lyrics, but that one different line is, all thy works shall praise thy name. And really, he's referencing a lot of revelation, how we look forward to all of creation for all of eternity will be praising God and declaring his holiness and worshiping the triune God, really. So, yes. And I, I love uh, um, all thy works shall praise that praise thy name reminds me of all creatures of our God and King, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Singing. And, and I, I went back to Psalm 148, which, which starts by saying, praise the Lord. And it mentions the moon, the shining stars, the waters, even the sea creatures, fire, hail, snow, and even mist, Mm. praising God, even wind and flying birds, uh, kings, people, and then it finishes with old men and children. So it covers (laughs) covers everything in that uh, in that psalm, which is one forty eight. And of course, I love finishing uh, the song mentioning the Trinity because that's kind of what this song was written for, and so. It's awesome to, to finish with that line. And there are some churches and religions who don't believe in the Trinity. So they either sing this song or, or they sing the song and remove the verse or replace it, or they don't sing the song at all. Um, it's uh, what I like to consider a biblically exclusive song mm-hmm. where you can't mm-hmm. sing this song unless you believe in the Trinity, the Bible and what it says about the Trinity. Right. Absolutely. And even like Revelation 4.11 where it finishes by saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Mm. And really, all of creation is sustained by God. right? And the only right. reason that we still exist is because he chooses to allow us to. Right. <laughs> and so we could either use that to serve ourselves and our own glory and sinful rebellion, or we can use the life that he's given us as our sustainer, our creator, and turn that back to praise him mm. and give him glory because he's deserving of deserving of it. He sustains us and he wants to have a relationship with us. He created us for his glory and to enjoy him. And so our prayer is that this song is one way where you can do that. So let's dive into an application of this. How, how can we use this to praise the Lord? When is an appropriate time? What are some good ideas to good ideas of ways to sing this song? Uh, well, we, we talked about, you know, early in the morning, mm-hmm. right? And the song even says early in the morning. Uh, and it's just a great time to do it. But all throughout the day, like you mentioned last week with that song, any time throughout the day, right? right. Any time that we see creation or that we, uh, yeah, see what God has given us through creation or through animals, friends, each other, his word. Um, and this song actually reminded me of the importance of knowing history, just learning mm-hmm. about Heber. This is somebody I've never really looked into before. Right. Um, but not only the history of hymns and knowing the word of God, uh, but the people that God has carefully placed leading up to where we are now in the church. Right. Um, not only, like you said, do we get to just jump in and be part of this, but it's kind of our job to continue sharing this holy vision of God uh, through the writing of songs, like mm-hmm. like we're doing here at Compass, just with the kids' songs that, that we're right. starting to write. Right. Um, and then also the singing of songs, which we mm-hmm. do every single week, a few times a week sometimes right. even. 
And I think, you know, another element of what we were talking about with early in the morning, I don't know when you choose to do your quiet time with the Lord, but there's something about in the quiet of the morning, you know, this morning I woke up and had my quiet time with the Lord. And then I turned on the song, Holy, 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 but I did a version that was just voices. It was just acapella, not like an acapella group, but it was just a recording of a church singing it. Hmm. And in the quiet of the morning, you know, dwelling on God's character, dwelling on the fact that he is holy, 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 dwelling on the fact that he's mighty and merciful. It sets the tone for the day. There's, there's a reverence for God that, that God has entrusted me with the gospel, with these different stewardships. And he calls me to love him and serve him. There's definitely a reverence and a weight to that as I go about my day. Hmm. But then also, by listening to the acapella version, it was interesting because I wasn't distracted by instruments. I wasn't distracted by arrangements. It was just joining with the chorus of believers, joining with the angels to sing the song, sing the words that have been sung in praise of our creator for centuries. And that's an exciting thing. It's it's really special. So That's a great point. Maybe listening to, yeah. to it acapella like that. Right, right. It's a great point. So I would just say maybe, you know, tomorrow when you wake up to do your quiet time, once you're done, just turn on the song Holy, Holy, Holy and sing to the Lord just by yourself and praise Him for who He is. Hmm. Hallelujah. <laughs>